Hi, and welcome to Better Than New, the podcast to help you find a cool used car, truck, or SUV at a price you'll love. I'm your host, Gary Crenshaw, and today I want to talk to you about a car you could own that plays directly to your inner bad boy or bad girl. It's the devil on your shoulder egging you on to rev the motor, drive a little faster, slide a bit or a lot around every corner, and spin the tires away from a stoplight just because you can. It dulls your better judgment with the rumble of its V8 on startup, but if you own one, there will likely never be a dull moment when you take it for a drive. That said, it can also be quite pleasant to drive, even a little bit subdued, if you can overcome the temptation to keep your foot out of the throttle. Now, I think you can, but that's really up to you. So what is this machine that mutates model citizens into masters of mischief? Well, we'll talk about it in a moment, and I'll tell you why you might want to buy one in spite of its bad boy reputation. So hop in, buckle up, and let's go for a drive. So the focus of today's episode is a car that can bring out the inner hooligan in all of us. Now, for those who are unsure if an inner hooligan lurks just below the surface of their outward personality... Rest assured that this car will yank it to the surface and set it free if it's there. Think of it as Beavis and Butthead, Bart Simpson, and Bo the Bandit Darville all rolled into one. It's the devil on your shoulder, always tapping, even if just a little, while it whispers, Hello, there's a corner coming up. Do you want to slide a little sideways? <laughs> right? It's just egging you on all the time. So what is this car that makes good people do bad things? Well, it's the 1993-2002 fourth and final generation of the Pontiac Firebird. And in the case of today's episode, I'm really pitching you on the idea of getting a Firebird with a V8 and a manual transmission. So that's going to be a Formula or a Trans Am with a V8, not a six-cylinder version with an automatic. Okay. And I'm also really pushing the value side of the equation here, like I always do on the Better Than New podcast. With that, I think you should be looking at one of the base 275 to 285 horsepower V8 versions available in the first few years of the 4th Gen Firebird. Now, you could look at something with more horsepower like the Firehawk SLP or maybe the Trans Am with the WS6 package and the Ram Air intake. Those are going to have more horsepower, like 330 horsepower. I mean, if you can afford it, hey, go for it. Those are fun. But they're really more kind of collector cars. What I'm suggesting is you find something that's not run-of-the-mill, but it's sort of a base-level V8 car with a manual transmission. Certainly, again, you can pay more, but why not save yourself a few bucks while still having a ball behind the wheel? And the base V8 manual transmission car will do that for you. And speaking of having a good time behind the wheel... You might be thinking, hey, there are a lot of other cars that offer similar rear-drive dynamics, right? You know, rear-drive BMW sedans, they'll oblige this kind of slide-around-every-corner behavior. And an Infiniti G35 or G37 Coupe or sedan, they'll indulge as well. Even my 1994 Miata with 128 horsepower can get a little sideways with some effort. Doesn't take much. But there's something about a V8 Firebird that bypasses the cerebral cortex and plugs directly into your primitive brainstem. So there's very little gray matter to filter things, and there's little time to analyze what's going on before you do something you shouldn't. So you have to be on your toes with this car. It's fun to drive, but it can be challenging if you're not very skilled behind the wheel. 
Okay, now you may also be thinking, if a fourth-generation V8 Firebird is so bad, why am I telling you about it? Why am I suggesting you buy one? Well, there are a lot of things that are considered, quote-unquote, bad for you, but you indulge in them anyway. You know, what about sugar and salt, right? In spite of all the warnings by health professionals, you probably still consume way too much. And then there's more obvious things like tequila poppers, jello shots, and M80 firecrackers. Those three things, especially in combination, are really bad for you too. So why do they even exist? Now, that's a rhetorical question, but I'll try to answer it by saying that they exist because humans sometimes just want to have fun. They want to make loud noises and do something a little ridiculous, like own and drive a V8 muscle car. And the fourth generation Firebird is the driving manifestation of that feeling. Now, I can't fully explain it, but once you get behind the wheel, you know. And the good news is, If you're mature and have even minimal control over your executive function, you can keep your worst impulses in check long enough to stay out of trouble while driving one of these cars. And just, you know, enjoy it for the fun-to-drive, affordable sports coupe that it is. So there, you're going to be fine, okay? Now, if a fourth-generation Pontiac Firebird with a V8 and a manual transmission sounds like an interesting idea to you, Here are a couple of reasons why you might want one. Now, you might want one if you always wanted a V8 muscle car, but you keep putting it off. Look, kids, V8 cars like this will one day soon go the way of the dinosaur. And when they do, you could still be wishing you'd owned one. So what are you waiting for? The clock is ticking. Next, you might want one if... You like the idea of driving something different that still offers up serious driving fun and performance at a great price. Now, drivers who were serious about good handling back in the day would have bought maybe a BMW M3 over one of these, but that's not to say these don't have impressive performance. They do. It's just a bit raw and untamed, but in some ways, it can be more entertaining. And today, when E36 M3 prices have gone through the roof, A fourth-generation V8 Firebird makes a lot more sense. And finally, you might want one if you have a bit of a wild streak and you're looking for a way to express it. Oh, you'll definitely express it with this. In fact, some people who consider themselves to be, you know, sophisticated and respectable might look down on you at first, but after a ride or two in your car, they'll be secretly jealous at how much you're enjoying your life and your V8 Firebird. At least that's my opinion. All right, so maybe this idea of getting back to driving fun has piqued your interest and you're starting to think, hey, you know what? I could actually own a fourth-gen Pontiac Firebird with a V8 and a manual transmission. Well, if that's the case, let's dig deeper into the details. Okay, so I'm going to go through some of the specifications for the first year, the 1993 Pontiac Trans Am. So this is the 5.7 liter V8 car, okay? 5.7 liter V8 is also 350 cubic inches, just, you know, FYI. And the output on this motor, the base engine, was 275 horsepower and 325 pound-feet of torque. Now the curb weight was 3,455 pounds, and the transmissions available were either a Borg Warner six-speed manual, which I recommend, or a four-speed automatic, which is optional. 
Tires for the 93 Pontiac Trans Am were available in a 245-50 16-inch size. And the cool thing was, it's the same size both front and rear. Now, many cars that have a V8 engine or more horsepower typically have uh, smaller tires and wheels in the front and then a wider tire and wheel set for the back. It's called a staggered set. But the great thing about this is you can actually rotate the front wheels to the back and the back to the front to get better wear characteristics over the time you have the tires. Typically, if you have those staggered sizes, you can't do a tire rotation. You can't have the wider tires on the front and the skinnier ones on the back. In terms of braking, these cars came with a four-wheel disc brake setup with anti-lock, ABS, and it had a live axle rear end. So it wasn't an independent suspension in the back. It had the standard solid axle rear end. And performance-wise, these cars were very quick. So Motor Week, back in 1993, tested a Pontiac Trans Am, same car, 5.7 liter V8, with the six-speed manual, and their car covered 0 to 60 in 6.2 seconds. Car and Driver magazine tested a similar car, and they did it in 5.5 seconds. Now, in the quarter mile, Motor Week did 14.7 at 98 miles per hour, and Car and Driver's car covered the quarter mile in 14.2 seconds at 99 miles per hour. It's a little bit of a discrepancy between the two, but you can kind of count on somewhere in between those numbers for a car that you would buy today. In terms of braking, the MotorWeek Trans Am was able to stop from 60 miles per hour in 111 feet. That's nice and short, and they said that the brakes were very controllable. Car and driver's test is a little bit different. They go from 70 miles an hour to zero, and they did that in 172 feet. Again, a respectable stopping distance based on past performance of other cars. Um, also, in terms of road holding, the car and driver car on a 300-foot skid pad was able to do 0.89 Gs, which is really good, especially for that era. And fuel economy, car and driver got 20 miles per gallon during their test, and the EPA fuel rating for the car was 17 city and 25 highway. So you can expect kind of what car and driver got as an average, about 20 miles per gallon, which is not bad for a V8 car with a manual transmission. So when it comes to exterior styling, that long, low, and sleek arrow look of the fourth-generation Firebird drew inspiration from the design of the 1988 Pontiac Banshee 4 show car and from the latter California Concept Camaro. And this is probably one of the most polarizing things about the fourth-gen Firebird. People seem to either love it or hate it. Now, I personally never hated the look, but I always thought it was a little bit overstyled and could easily have been designed to be shorter in overall length. That said, over time, my opinion has softened, and I've grown to like it because it's different from most other cars on the road. Now, I would have preferred the V8's horsepower and bark in something that looked a bit more subdued so I could run under the radar, so to speak. But while the fourth-generation Firebird definitely isn't subtle in appearance and always sort of announced itself loudly, both figuratively in terms of its looks and literally in terms of its V8 rumble, I think the trade-off for the performance and value it offers today is well worth putting up with the styling. So there you have it. My opinion on exterior styling. Interior-wise, like the exterior, the interior on these Firebirds appears to have a few more curves and swooshy bits than necessary, especially compared with other cars from that era, but it's not a deal-breaker in my opinion. That said, it has a functional cockpit that doesn't compromise driving fun. Up front, it has comfortable bucket seats for driver and passenger that offer good support. They come in leather or cloth, 
But on the downside, the interior plastics won't win any awards. They're slick and kind of cheap looking. And they're just, you know, I have to say they're just okay. All right. Now in back, you have two plus two seating. Not really much room for big people, but, you know, a couple of kids can sit back there. Maybe a couple of adults for a short period of time. But the rear seat back does fold down, which adds to carrying capacity under the rear hatchback. So that's nice. If it's you and one other person taking a long trip, you've got plenty of space in the back. I think it's 12 cubic feet of space. So lots of room for your stuff. And like I mentioned earlier, it came with a six-speed manual or a four-speed automatic, but you want to get the manual, right? Also, do be aware that when looking out the long, low windshield in the front on a sunny day, you might see some reflections on the top of the dash. Anything that's on it, whether it's dust or that gold chain and muscle shirt tank top you brought along for your day at Radwood, you're going to see that reflecting in the glass. It's kind of annoying, so just know that's coming, all right? It's one of the few things that I don't like about the car. Okay, so let's sum up what this car is and what it isn't. So what's great about it? Well, it's quick, it's loud, it's seriously fun to drive, it's got decent ergonomics, and it's kind of one of the last affordable V8 pony cars. Now what's not so great? Well, while it's serious fun, it also serves up some serious oversteer if you're driving it too hard, so you got to pay attention or you're going to wrap this thing around a tree. It's not safe for novice drivers, especially in the rain or, you know, certainly on snow, right? Any slick conditions, forget it. And don't buy one for your newly minted 16-year-old driver or for your 20 to 24-year-old driver. Probably a bad idea. This is a cocktail you should mix with a healthy dose of mature executive function if you plan to keep it upright and shiny for as long as possible, okay? So just keep that in mind. Now, when you go to look for one of these, what should you look for? Well, you do want to find one that's been adult-owned. You don't want to buy one of these that's been owned by some kid who's just driven it into the ground. You don't want that. You also want minimal owners. One, two owners, that sort of thing, right? The longer somebody owns something like this, especially if they bought it brand new, they're going to be the kind of person who took care of it, most likely. They're probably not going to buy it and then drive it really hard and not maintain it. That's the third thing. You want something that's been well-maintained. No deferred maintenance, okay? You don't want things that have been put off, you know, even simple stuff like changing the oil, changing the coolant, changing the brake fluid, that sort of thing. You want to make sure the car has been maintained. Also, no wrecked or rebuilt examples. This is just kind of common stuff, but it really applies a lot with these. Many of these were wrecked. Again, you go around a corner, step on the gas, these things want to oversteer. That rear end wants to come around, and a novice driver, someone with minimal skills, will slide that thing right into a brick wall or a tree or whatever, and the car's totaled. And if it's been repaired, you know, maybe it's okay, maybe it's not, but you don't want to take a chance on that. Just get something else. Leave that to someone who, you know, really needs to save a couple extra dollars. You don't really save that much in the long run. So I would avoid any cars that have been wrecked and have a rebuilt title. All right. It also kind of makes sense to, to find one that's been stored indoors out of the elements, especially when you look at the plastic inside the car. If you get a lot of, you know, sunlight on that, if you get a car from the Southwest, I think those plastics are not going to hold up well. A lot of the knobs and things are going to turn white and just look a little bit ugly. So get a car that's been stored indoors, and you certainly want to get one that's been unabused and unmodified, definitely unmodified. Now, if it's got factory upgrades, that's different, but 
if it's got aftermarket upgrades, you really want to shop carefully and make sure it's not something that you wouldn't put on the car yourself. Now, if there were the modifications you were planning to make, okay, that's fine. But if it's just something like, I have to pull this stuff off to make the car or to take the car back to stock, don't do that. Just buy one that's stock to begin with. You also want to get one that's got relatively low miles on the car. And finally, get one with the manual transmission. I, I know I've said this three times, four times, ten times, whatever. But if you haven't learned to drive a manual yet, what are you waiting for? These cars were made for a manual transmission. And if you're over the age of 16, you're old enough. <laughs> it's time to learn. Come on, do it. Get a manual. The cars will be more fun to drive and they'll be worth more money in the long run. Now, I'm not suggesting you buy one of these as an investment, but over time, when things do go up in value, an automatic transmission can cost you 10 to 20% of the value of the car. And that's a disappointment. I don't want you to have that. So get the manual, learn to drive one. Okay. Okay. And finally, if you think you want to buy one of these fourth generation Pontiac Firebirds, what should you be paying for one? Well, great question. The good news is these are very affordable muscle cars, or some people call them pony cars. And starting out at the kind of the base at the bottom, the range I'm going to talk about first, and I have found some amazing deals in this range, is $6,000 to $9,000. And I'm going to direct you to a car. Let me just pull it up here. This was a car that was in Bremerton, Washington, and this was back in November of 2021. And they were asking $8,000 for this. And it was a 1993 Pontiac Trans Am. It had 84,000, basically 85,000 miles. It was black, had a manual transmission, and it had the 5.7 liter V8. I thought, wow, that's a great price. I'm going to save the ad. So I save these in a folder I call cars for sale. And I just sort of track how prices go. Well, this car disappeared, but then it reappeared like a month later and they were asking $7,000, so $1,000 less. I thought, well, this person's kind of motivated to sell. This was like mid to late December of 2021. So $7,000, car disappeared again. I thought, okay, well, they sold it. And then it didn't come back again for another three months. And three months later, in late February, early March, it reappeared at $6,000. So six grand they were asking for the car. They put the vehicle identification number in the ad. So I ran the VIN and I discovered that this car had been sold previously about six months before in a local car auction, like a, you know, just a regular auction where they sell used cars. And the person had bought it for a, a little over $4,000. So clearly they were just trying to turn it. They were trying to double their money initially, you know, 4,000 to 8,000. Then they went to seven, then they went to six, and they sold it at six. They eventually put an ad up that said sold, 6000 and I guess that's to make people go away or make them feel bad or whatever. But I remember looking at that thinking, what a great car for 6000 bucks. That's insane. Okay, so that was kind of an anomaly. It doesn't happen very often, but there was another one. This one was in Puyallup, Washington. And it's a 1997. It was the green color. Again, V8 manual transmission, 75,000 miles. And they were asking $8,000 or best offer. That's right in the middle of that six dollars to $9,000 spot I was telling you about. And this car looked like it was in nice shape. I didn't go drive the car, but it was a nice color. It's that emerald green color. It had gray leather interior, no rips or tears in the seats. Everything looked good. They posted a ton of pictures so you could see it. And they posted the, the mileage. Everything was great on the car. Everything seemed to work. 
I mean, I would have bought that car if I was in the market. Easy. It had aftermarket wheels, but they didn't look bad. They were fine. So, you know, that was another great one. So in that range, $6,000 to $9,000, you can find some pretty decent cars. The next category is $9,000 to $12,000. And things get pretty interesting in this range. You're going to find really good cars in this range. And I think that's probably where you're going to find something that you might want to buy. Now, are there more expensive cars? Certainly. And like I said, there's cheaper cars. And if you really want to take the time, and it might take you six months, you can find something cheaper. But if you want to dig in and get something in the next month or two, you know, in this nine dollars to $12,000 range, you're going to have a lot of things come up. So that's a good place to be. Beyond that, in the twelve dollars to $15,000 range, you shouldn't have any problem finding good cars. And I'm going to tell you about one that I found in that range. Not long ago, by the way, it was a 2002 WS6 Pontiac Trans Am, six-speed, $14,999, so $15,000. And this was in Lake Stevens, Washington. 88,000 miles, silver, had a stripe on it, but this was the WS6 Ram Air Trans Am, and it had the um, SLP performance upgrade package. And like I said, it had a six-speed manual, T-top. Everything was great on the car. It was a really, really nice car, and lots of performance, had a limited slip differential, 15,000 bucks. So if you're into these kind of cars and you're looking for something that's got, you know, really good performance, this car probably factory rated at about 330 horsepower, maybe a little bit more if they'd added some different exhausts and other things, but that's impressive. So it was kind of a Corvette in a Trans Am body. What a great car. Somebody got a decent deal. Now, is it as cheap as you could find something like this? I don't know. You know, you look long enough, you can always find something cheaper if you're, you know, a careful shopper. But the prices on these over time should continue to trend upward. Not necessarily every single week or every single month, but over time they will go up. But just buying this and driving it, that would be a great daily driver or fun weekend car. Somebody got a good deal. And beyond that price, beyond that twelve to $15,000, I would say you're really kind of getting into the collector car arena. Now, there are certainly cars that you might want to have that have factory option packages. Again, the WS6 or the Firehawk SLP, I think they call it. There are also some other limited edition cars. Those are going to be worth a lot more money. And if you want to find out what those are worth, I recommend going to either bringatrailer.com, putting in Pontiac Firebird. They have a chart that comes up and it shows you like the sale price of all these different cars. And you can actually go back and look at different auctions that they had and look at the cars and see what the mileage was, the condition, read what the comments were, that sort of thing, and get a sense for what you should be paying and what people have been paying in the last few months or last year or two. That's a good place to go. The other place I would look is Haggerty.com. I've mentioned this before, and Haggerty on their website has a valuation tool. You can't really get into the details on the tool unless you pay like $50 a year and you get their magazine, you get some other I think you can do like roadside assistance on your car and some other stuff. I've got that because I insure a car through them. And I'm not promoting Haggerty. They don't give me any money or anything. But their um, valuation tool is helpful if you're trying to figure out what something is worth. So uh, check it out. At least give it a look. Uh, you, you can get a free look at what prices are for a good condition car. It's kind of a driver condition car. Um, and that gives you kind of a ballpark idea of what you might want to pay or what you might have to pay out in the marketplace. So it's a good place to look. Anyway, 
I think you're going to find some really good cars in that nine to twelve thousand dollar range. So that's kind of where I would recommend looking. And you might find something cheaper, and you might find something that's a little bit more. But that's the price range on these cars as it stands today. And today is late March 2023. Prices will go up or they'll change. They'll be different next month. They always are. Your mileage may vary. So in a world that doesn't always make sense, buying a rowdy rear-drive oversteering beast like the 1993-2004 to fourth-generation Pontiac Firebird with a V8 and a manual transmission, maybe that really does make perfect sense. Maybe it's the answer to the question, what is my life all about? Why am I here? Well, maybe you're just here to do some good, have some good friends, live out loud, and enjoy yourself a little, at least some of the time. And no one said your commute had to be boring or that you had to be practical and buy a car that fits into some adult-shaped mold. Our time on this little blue ball moving through space doesn't last that long, so maybe, just maybe, buying and driving a 4th gen Pontiac Firebird with a V8, even if you own it just a few months or maybe a year or two, is the perfect choice for now. And with that, I just want to say, go buy one of these cars while they're still affordable, then cancel your therapy sessions and live a little. You can thank me later, okay? Also, I want to thank you for listening, and if you like what you've been hearing, please subscribe and follow this podcast so I can keep bringing you reviews of cool used cars, trucks, and SUVs available at a price you'll love. And until next time, I'm Gary Crenshaw, this is Better Than New, and I'm really glad you came along for the ride.